Welcome to the RSP cast. I'm Matt Waldman. Joining me again every other week is Lori Fitzpatrick with TD Wire. Lori, always great to have you on the show. Today we're going to continue our first semester report cards. We're almost kind of near the halfway point at this point, but that's all right. We're going to look at uh, wide receivers and tight ends this week. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, there's, you know, when I was kind of looking up all of the tight ends, uh, you know, for this for the show, I realized how many good ones there actually are. It's kind of, it's exciting. It's cool. You know, it's 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 definitely a position that's morphing into two separate types of tight ends nowadays. You know, it used to be like you know the guys who have to do both. Um, but now we're kind of morphing into the, the receiving type of tight end. Um, that's certainly the type of guys that I have on my list. So I'm excited to kind of talk about them and go over some of the wide receivers. So Yeah, I like that idea. Let's do that. Let's start off with some of these tight ends. Who are some of the ones that come to mind? Who's someone that – let's start with someone who's um, emerging that you think that is really starting to, to, to take their game to a level that, that people are starting to notice. I think – I think Pat Fryermuth is my guy. Um, he's still, you know, these are guys who are young, right? Guys that are emerging. And his average depth of target is 10, uh, 10.2, and that's versus man. Um, and it's basically similar versus zone. So whichever defensive coverage or whatever coverage the defense is in, it doesn't really matter. He's basically trying to get a first down. He's trying to be the, the his quarterback's best friend, no matter who is in there, Trubisky, um, you know, pick it, whoever it is, uh, you know, he's six in intended air yards. And I think that's important because it, it kind of looks, it kind of shows you, you know, how important is he to his, uh, to his team. And that's sixth overall, that's six in the entire NFL, uh, for intended air yards. That's obviously, you know, tight ends who have a minimum of like, you know, 30, targets or something like that uh but you know there's a minimum so out of those out of all like the top guys uh you know he is sixth in overall targets uh which is fantastic too um his hands are solid i think he's at like a 88 89 in terms of the catching percentage and he's the number one seam route um runner in in when it comes to total yards so i just think he's a guy that uh He's going to be the future of the franchise, in my opinion. He's going to be one of those big superstars. Uh, he has the hands for it. He has the look for it. Um, you know, he's on a good team. We all remember, what was it, Heath, right? Uh, <laughs> Heath, um, Heath, Heath Miller. Miller. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the Steelers, they love their tight ends, man. Like, I'll never forget uh, going to one of those Steelers games. And, and you can hear it on the broad broadcast. They would just go, Heath, Heath. Like, you know, it's, it's just... It's something where, you know, being a tight end in that city uh, is fun. And I think he's the next up and coming. Uh, he's emerged and he totally looks for real. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm a I'm a huge Pat Fryermuth fan. I compared him to Heath Miller coming out of school. Um, certainly, it, you know, he has everything but that deep speed. And you don't really need yeah. the deep speed. He's got the acceleration, like you said. That acceleration is good enough that... It shows up with what that great stat you brought up about you know him being one of the most productive, being the most productive seam route runner um, in the league right now. Just a, and he can block too, so he's a he's a tough all around guy. He I think for Kenny Pickett, he's going to be a, a fantastic red zone option. He's you know even though he has one receiving touchdown right now, you saw what he did with Ben Roethlisberger last year down the stretch. Um, and and he was very effective in the red zone. Once Pickett starts to trust him a little bit more, I think you're going to see that. Um, you know, right now Pickett has that that um, rapport with um, with George Pickens right now in the red area. But I think that once he expands his game a little bit more and kind of you know can veer away from his safety blanket a little bit in that region of the field i think Fryermuth will be one of the first guys that he goes to um i'm gonna just to just for the sake of adding somebody else to the conversation while he is 27 years old and you go well you know he's five years in the league how much of an emerging mm -hmm. player can he be you have to think about the fact that it does take tight ends two to three years sometimes to really acclimate to the nfl and then if they are playing behind a big contract player 
and forcing their, and working from a low draft capital position, sometimes it takes a while for them to really establish themselves. Um, and and that player's Tyler Conklin with new, the New York Jets. Um, I'm worried about Zach Wilson. Well, I've always been worried about Zach Wilson, but the uh, but Conklin <laughs> when he gets targets makes good on them. I mean, you're you're looking at a player who has excellent short area quickness. He's always been able to work detached from the formation and and use wide receiver like release skills with footwork that could match up well against safeties or linebackers and even some cornerbacks. He's a contested catch player that if he had a quarterback who threw better trust balls and threw and could really throw with great location and 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 ha- and a little bit more trust of what's going on in the field, Conklin's the type of player who can go up and get it. Um, and then in addition to that, that quickness does really show up as a receiver, um, you know, after the catch. While he's not a huge yak type of player, um, he is someone that can make the first man miss. And while not an extremely big player, you know, he started in that Kevin Stefanski system in Minnesota where he he was known more as a like a big wide receiver rather than a small tight end. But you could see even with um, Kyle Rudolph in there when Rudolph was still um, working off that big bigger contract that he had, that they they... Conklin worked his way into that lineup, often to the fact of where he was outplaying Irv Smith, the higher draft pick, and showing up very well as a wing player. and And you could see that even this year, the Jets kind of took a, a an approach where they 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 took Conklin, they brought in Ozama and or Uzoma, and Uzoma was kind of a little bit of the bigger player. But by the time camp was over, it was very clear that Conklin was the best tight end of that group. And they had drafted Jeremy Ruckert, who a lot of people liked out of the draft. And Ruckert is certainly a capable blocker and may develop into that bigger tight end prospect who who can be the, you know, kind of be the inline guy. Conklin can be the wing player, especially in Robert Salas offense where they... They use two tight ends kind of in the same way that you see Ross Dwelling and George Kittle getting used a lot. Um, and while D- Dwelling and Kittle are both more move tight end types, but Kittle is that all around, you know, option who can who can also you know play inside and was one of the better blockers. Um, Conklin can hold up in the role that you ask him to be in. So I'm looking forward to the Jets f- figuring out their quarterback situation. Um, and I know it's not going to be this year, but you know, down the line, whether it's drafting another player, getting another free agent, um, or Zach Wilson somehow figuring it out, um, I think Conklin is someone that could be, you know, a decent mainstay for at least another three to four years. Um, and whether and if if Matt um, Ruckert doesn't work out, then they draft somebody else in terms of. Um, you know, maybe being more of an all-around player, or they add another free agent and keep Conklin in the mix as kind of a lesser player. But, but to me, at 27, you know, a lot of the better tight ends who are move tight ends play until they're 34, 35, 36. So we're still looking at more years left on his career to be an impactful player than than the amount of years he's actually played. So to me, that still qualifies as being an emerging guy. So, so what about um, what about someone? on the list who you've seen they've struggled, but you still expect to see them improve or develop? Well, there there's a couple guys, um, you know, that, that come to mind. Um, and these are, you know, some of the older guys, you know, Dalton Schultz. I don't think he even has a touchdown right now. Uh, Dalen, Darren Waller is kind of struggling a little bit, um, you know, just because the Raiders aren't doing well overall. Um, but, you know, I... I I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to maybe you know come up with the the names that aren't so you know prevalent, but I have to mention you know Kyle Pitts, he he's still he's still obviously you know one of the top you know if not wide receivers but one of the top tight ends you know in his draft class obviously we all know that 
Um, but he is struggling. He is still struggling. And I know we mentioned it last week, um, but he's he's supposed to be more of a playmaker on this team. Uh, Drake London had a, had a couple, um, you know, good catches last week. Um, but Pitts just still isn't uh, being more of an impact player as he should be. And, you know, like we discussed last week, it could obviously be a big part, you know, or the, a lot of the reasons, sorry, could be the offense. Um, but just in general, he's not uh, really living up to expectations. Um, he's still, he's actually second in intended yards. Uh, that's per uh, Sports Info Solutions. Um, and that's when he's targeted to the outside. So he is being targeted as more of a wide receiver. Um, that's outside of the numbers, uh, obviously, like up the seam, um, things like that, because, you know, he is a good jump ball player, uh, you know, where you can rely on him on those 50-50 passes, but they don't really have a quarterback that can get it to him. Um, so I think that's obviously one of the biggest reasons. But um, being so young, it was tough to put him on here uh, as a as a tight end that's struggling right now. You know, that's why I mentioned Dalton Schultz and I mentioned Darren Waller. But in the end, I think that uh, Pitts has the higher ceiling. Uh, so he should be uh, performing a little bit better. But I think, you know, when looking to the future, he's still that guy. So Yeah, I'll give you another one that who's a, a younger player that I think emerged last year or the past couple of years. And then we've seen kind of the decline in production right now, and that's Buffalo's Dawson Knox. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, for Knox, part of that is personal off the field. His brother Luke passed away suddenly, um, and that's his younger brother. Um, and so I think he's probably dealing more, you know, the team has been talking about that they're surprised that he hasn't taken away time from taking time off from the team and things like that. Um, and, but, you know, obviously that's a big deal. He was close with his family. And I I have to imagine that that combined with early in the season, I think the, the Bills were really trying to elevate how they used um, Gabriel Davis. And and certainly yeah. Davis, Davis is a fine deep threat. Um, you can see, you know, and there are certain situations where he's not bad as a contested player that you can use him and, um, you know, with certain fade routes and they've schemed some things for him. But I think they're realizing at this point that that with Davis, the things that he does well that, you know, as the he last year, he was the third option really in the pecking order. It was. It was Knox is really the second option. And when you think about often with the progressions that they would use, it would be Diggs, it Diggs and or Knox. And then and then if um, Allen was able to buy time, then maybe they were able to find Davis up the seam on a longer developing route. And he's very good at those longer developing intermediate vertical and, and deep routes. Um, and you could see that some of his biggest games have come off of um, teams daring to blitz or get pressure on Allen and Allen being able to either hang in there or buy time and just out throw the defense as, Dave, as Davis continues to work past them down the field and split safeties or, and, and defensive backs. But I think what we're seeing too is that the, the area of Davis's game that still has a ways to go is winning one-on-one -on -one against defenders on, you know, on routes that you would see Stefan Diggs win on or even Dawson Knox match up on from what he did the year um, the year before um, he's just you know some of the things with his game like I was showing yesterday him going up for the ball and you could see he there was a beaut there was a fantastic play it was a difficult play for for Davis to make and, and definitely a difficult one for for Allen but it was that it was that deep I think it was a post. It was a deep post to Davis in the, at the end line where Davis comes down with the ball but out of bounds. And you could see when you take a closer look at that that his hands were in an underhand position as, as if he was going to catch it over his shoulder, but he was turning back for the ball. It had a real clear opportunity to extend fully to the ball with his hands in an overhand position. And he would have he could have caught that ball just as he was being pushed rather than getting pushed first and then catching the ball. And that was the, and his feet were on in a position where he, I had a really good close-up shot where literally he, because his hands were underhand, he had about a foot or two 
of room to extend if he had used the right technique. And if he had done that, he might have he might have made that catch, especially after um, Allen had seen him and then got pressured and had to make a quick spin and then get rid of the ball as soon as he spun. And the fact that he could make that spin against that pressure, plant and throw as quick as he did and still hit Davis, you know, pinpoint downfield like that was an amazing throw. And, and so when you look at that type of, I've seen those types of examples with Davis where I think the, the Bills know what they have in him, which is a valuable player, but not a not a future number one. Like I'm worried that I'm worried that there are going to be some teams that look at him in the way they they once in the past looked at Alvin Harper, the Cowboys, or Peerless Price, who who was with the Bills and then came to Atlanta, and or Kenny Galladay, and they're going to say this is going to be our new number one guy. We're going to pay him a big contract, and he's just not going to be able to um, function in that role. But I think they're also going to realize that Dawson Knox is the type of player that they need to can involve a little bit more. He's had a couple of touchdowns the past two weeks, even though his receiving profile hasn't um, increased in terms of targets. I think you're going to start to see them involve him a little bit more, especially if they can get the run game going a little bit more, um, as well as get some of those binds with um, James Cook and and Dawson Knox, like what you saw with McCaffrey and Kittle, maybe not as um, powerful of a of a force multiplier as, as Kyle Shanahan would say, where when you run McCaffrey on an, on an angle route or a Texas route, and then you have Kittle on the same side working up the seam, yeah, the linebacker's going to jump McCaffrey all day. They may not do that against James Cook at this point of his career, um, but I think you'll start to see some of these binds that they try to put in place. And often, and towards the end of the year, I think we'll see Knox benefit a little bit more, especially if um, Cook continues to emerge as he has, um, at least on a on a smaller level there. So, who's who's someone that's just um, for you that is um, you know just the best you've seen thus far? And I know we have an ob probably a couple obvious folks, but even so, I mean, it's fun to yeah. be able to talk about them. Man, there's there's definitely a long list. Obviously, uh, you know there, there's there's Goddard. Um, he's number one in yak. Uh, he's got 317 yards after the catch. Uh, he's number one in yards per target, uh, ten and a half uh, yards per reception. He's actually 13. Uh, you know, so he's he's definitely one of the top guys. Uh, Mark Andrews from Baltimore. Um, you know, he's number one in targets, number two in routes run. Um, and he's a, he's a pretty good blocker too. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Fryermuth, Pitts, Hawkinson, Higby, Kittle, right? All these guys are actually, you know, decent, um, well, top like 10 in the league. Um, and you know, I'm, I just have to go with Kelsey. Uh, he's number one in like so many categories. Uh, and he's just, like you look at his EPA, uh, his expected points, it's 35. Uh, that's a lot, <laughs> and it's I think it's it I think it's the most by like more than 10. Um, so basically, when he's on the field, he's a difference maker. So he's obviously the number one guy, um, and there's no there's no question about that. Um, but you know there are other guys like I mentioned, Goddard and I think Andrews are actually doing pretty well. Uh, you know in terms of uh, being second and third, um, but you obviously can't forget Joku. I think I'm saying his uh, yeah. his name right yeah. from Cleveland. Um, you know his reception uh, grade just overall is. Um, I think he's I think he's like second or third, uh, just in terms of being able to you know catch the ball, not having many drops. Um, but yeah, I have to I have to go with Kelsey. Um, you know he's number one in several categories, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, I think especially without uh, Tyreek Hill in the mix, uh, he's more of you know that guy for Patrick Mahomes. Well, I mean, hard to disagree with that. I'm so I'll just go in a different direction because you profiled him well. Is is I'm going to go with a guy who actually just got traded five minutes ago. Um, what? And, yeah, and it's a stunning trade. It is. I am completely stunned by this because it's in the same division, Lori. It is what? TJ Hawkinson. 
He got traded to the Vikings today. Oh for my multiple gosh. Multiple picks. So they literally, because they lost Irv Smith to a high ankle sprain, um, they required him, they acquired him, um, and they swapped a, they swapped draft picks. So they, um, so he, wow. so basically, um, he, he joins the, the Vikings. Um, there's a two, 23, um, fourth round pick and 24 conditional fourth rounder in exchange for Detroit, um, getting a 2023 second rounder and third rounder in 2024, which isn't much of a deal. And it's, and I'm fascinated by this deal because you're trading in the division you're giving up arguably your best, I think, your one of your best two receivers on the team. Mm-hmm. And He's number one in yards after contact. Yeah. In, in the entire NFL, I mean, in, yeah. in terms of tight ends and on your team. Yeah, yeah. He is, and he is a great blocker. I mean, like, he is, Irv Smith, Irv Smith was a promising, is a promising player and promising prospect who hasn't really emerged in the way that people were hoping would TJ Hawkinson is to me as good of an all around tight end as there is in the league who just didn't have maybe a passing game fashioned around him until somewhat this year. And you can, he's, he doesn't quite have that explosive speed that you're looking for, but he's faster than Pat Fryermuth. He's like Pat Fryermuth plus, if you ask me, in the yeah. sense that not only he can win up the seam, he can win the contested plays. He he is certainly nifty enough to be able to to work that open field like he's um, he's had some huge um, runs up the sideline, um, you know, on a couple of passes that have really probably inflated his stats a little bit. But the fact that he can flip the field with his speed. Is, is still separates him from a lot of guys. And so the Vikings, the you know, I guess the Vi- the the Lions felt like they liked what they saw from Brock Wright that, you know, not to him, for him to replace Hawkinson, but that, you know, they feel good about what he can do as a blocker. They probably feel good about their offensive line cuz and they should ever they obviously do. I mean, it's a it's a good unit. It's an up and coming unit. Maybe they feel like they can make up some of that where they can use Wright as an underneath guy. Um, but I'm still kind of stunned that they would get they would dump him. I mean, I feel like they're dumping him for for that. But at the same time, he had a fifth year option that was going to pay him nine point four million last year, um, and while he was signed through 2023, maybe, you know, maybe the way they looked at this situation is they felt like they weren't going to be able to keep him. Um, wow. Or, or, I can't believe that. Yeah, I can't either. But, but certainly the, the Vikings, I mean, Kirk Cousins gets a great target. That's going to be a fantastic addition to, because you can move every player around there. They, it gives them more flexibility in the run game than what Irv Smith could provide. Um, Justin Jefferson, baby, I'm excited for him. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, it, it's I, I don't know, man. He deserves it all. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, and and more weapons to open up the field for him, you know, the better. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, to me, it's a, you know, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic situation for Hawkinson's career to be on a team that you know hasn't already has an offense that is put him in a situation to be in contention and a defense that's just good enough to win this division. So I, I think that this was, it was a great move for the Vikings. Um, especially they get a chance to probably resign him long-term. Um, but that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good move. So who's someone that you think, you know, has the chance to maybe become an emerging player who's maybe below the radar? Um, well, this guy has only played three games, um, but in his last game, he carried his offense, uh, to win the game in the fourth quarter, uh, and that's Greg Dolchich, Dolchich, (laughs) 
from uh, from the Denver Broncos, former UCLA standout, um, and really the only reason why he uh, arrived at this grade or in this position in terms of promising um, is because he's only played three games. Uh, but I think everyone knows his talent level, um, and I don't know if you if. Anybody, I mean, who really watches the Jaguars outside of me? Uh, nobody. Uh, but last week against uh, against them in London, he had one drive where he, I think he got like, either it was 87 or 93 yards. He basically was the whole reason why they won. Um, he's uh, he's a killer outside the numbers. He can, he, He's not running a, a lot of routes, you know, in terms of, uh, just because he's only played three games. So when you look at, like, total routes run, he's not anywhere near the top. Uh, but just in terms of his hands and his skill set uh, and how and how imperative he is for this uh, this Broncos offense moving forward, um, I think it's a big reason why Russell Wilson is kind of having a little bit more of a success after he was, you know, he's still the butt joke of the league. But uh, in terms of, you know, that offense kind of coming together, I think he's going to be a big piece of it, and especially moving forward into the future. Uh, especially in that last game after watching him, man, like, yeah, I think he's the truth. Yeah, I think Greg Dulcich will be a good seam stretcher for that team for sure, and and definitely a nice, definitely someone who can make contested plays. As he gets better as a blocker, I think he'll become a more complete tight end if they need to use him in any capacity like that. If not... You know they can roll. With, they've often rolled with the two tight end looks. So I, I, I imagine that the that the underscored, underlying reason for the butt of the jokes for that offense, Nathaniel Hackett, won't be around very long. So, um, you know, I think we'll see some changes there, and then the lunchroom crowd that goes off on Wilson will um, shut up. Um, that's basically <laughs> the way that I, I will put it. Is that it's you know it's easy I, I, that and spiteful Seattle fans who are just who felt, um, you know, who felt, uh, you know, jilted, uh, I'll put it that way. But, um, you know, the guy for me is, is another, you know, there are a couple of rookies that I would take a look at. The first one's more prominent and that's Kate Otten. Um, I mm -hmm. love Kate Otten coming out and because he was very skilled at being able to, to post up on defenders just in the in the underneath zones he had he understood how to snap breaks he understood how to get his body position and how to attack the football away from his frame so that he could take contact and win the ball you often don't see that with tight ends until they are in their late 20s early 30s he's already showed that at washington um, and he can stretch the seam he understands how to manipulate zones and really sell routes um, with in his stems to be able to to work those seams and he's done a good job of that um at the same time um he's a much better blocker than people realize and even the buccaneers were surprised because they knew that he had decent technique but his understanding and feel for leverage was always something that stood out on his film and during camp this summer they anticipated with the surgery that he had in the offseason that he he was going to need to uh, spend a year in that facilities, um, you know, weight training program to really add that extra maybe 10, 15, 20 pounds of muscle to become the player that they expected. But what they didn't realize is that he's already blocking at a high level right now. Um, so he's someone who's doing a really good job of being able to move defenders and while he's not you know the front side blocker Gronkowski it was he's he's functioning well on the back side being able to you know do well with understanding leverage and moving or holding off defensive ends edge defenders and definitely handling linebackers um well enough that he's pretty much overtaken that starting role now is Tom Brady going to come back next year will he come back to Tampa Bay next year um, those are those are big questions. I think Tom Brady will be back. I don't think he's. I I think that you know. <laughs> I mean now. Yeah. <laughs> might as well, right? Exactly. Might as well. And I think part of it too is just that competitive nature with his game. I don't think he. I think he still has enough left in his game 
with a healthy enough offensive line that it didn't end the way that he wanted it. This season isn't going, obviously, anywhere remotely the way that he envisioned it, even on the field. So I'm thinking that he will probably be back. If he's not back here, he'll be back somewhere else. Um, though, Though it would have been nice to see him maybe leave there and go to Detroit with that nice offensive line. Um, and get a chance to go somewhere like that. But now with Hawkinson gone, that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't uh, know if he would go to Detroit, though, either. Yeah, well... Like, I think he's a little, like, judgmental in that aspect. Like, you know, he he, he wants to go somewhere, you know, like the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Or, he, or yeah, for sure. But, like, to me, I look at Detroit's offensive line. I look at the... I look at what they yeah. could get. Um and if there and if things get a little dried up, him going back to the the state of Michigan, um, oh yeah, you know, sure. and and then maybe being in that situation again, it's a long shot situation. I agree with you, but it's a, but it would it, no, it's kind I, of interesting in terms of what he might have been able to have had. But I don't think there's enough weapons there now for him to do that. But no, I completely forgot about um, you know like Michigan State uh, because you know even even with. Um, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, he was such like an advocate of staying in Michigan. Uh, yeah, that that didn't even cross my mind. So no, I, I take it I take it all back. <laughs> I think I think it's definitely a place that he could go. I I totally forgot about Michigan. I, I don't know what I was yeah. thinking, but it was a long time it ago. It was a long Matt. time ago. It was a long <laughs> time ago. You know, I mean, you know, but uh, but yeah. So that for sure that um, Otten to me is a. Otten to me is an up and coming player if they can get a, you know, maintain a good quarterback situation for him there. And the other guy that I think has a shot is um, Chigo Guanco, the, the the Delaney Walker type of prospect with the Titans, who hasn't done much yet. But when I see him, you see the flashes of the speed, the quickness. Um, the ability to to win in the open field, I I like how he catches the ball. I think that you know if Malik Willis can emerge into an NFL caliber passer, Okwanko could be a a nice option for him. Um, and if you know Tannehill can hang on to the job for another year, maybe Okwank will get a chance to really emerge. Um, but pairing a young quarterback and a young tight end, that's where it gets a little bit iffy because you wonder if, you know, I don't want to say bad habits, but just incomplete, incomplete habits and a lack of mastery on either side of the either side of the equation can make it tough for you know either player to really develop. Um, if you don't have, you know, at least some, you know, they're hoping maybe Woods can hang around long enough to be a veteran presence in that, in that um, passing games room um, when, as Malik Willis gets his opportunity. But yeah, so, you know, that's our, that's, that's what we got for tight ends. Let's talk a little more about wide receivers here. Who, who's just, who's just killing it? You know, I mean, who are some of the players that, that, you know, of the of the obvious or not so obvious, even you know that you just think is killing it. Well, you know the route I'm going to take. You can yeah. take the not obvious. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously Tyreek, man. Um, you know his uh, just his presence in general. Um, I'm I'm really surprised that Waddle is playing the way that he's playing with someone like Tyreek. Um, you know that offense is just extremely difficult to stop. Um, even when uh, Tua went down, you know, Tyreek was still uh, such a large presence. He's, you know, number one in yards, receptions, targets, air yards, first downs, uh, tied with Cooper Cup, I think, for the first downs. Um, but he's, I think he's, he only ran, um, I think he ran like 50 number of routes less than like i think he's like 20 he's 20th in total routes run so how are you you know running a lot less like routes in general uh, but still number one in all those categories um yeah he's just you know his speed is unmatched uh even when he was going against one of the top uh corners on the eagles i don't remember if it was uh slay or one of the one of the younger guys in preseason, um, 
and they also have Kovi, who's the who's like one of the champions in the hurdles. I think that they kind of like ran next to each other, and he's like, yeah, that speed is just different. You know, he, he's you know the way that he runs routes and the way that he can catch the ball um, on top with the speed. Uh, you know, him being able to get under it, and manipulate the defender. Uh, you know, use his leverage. He knows, you know, exactly where to go post catch. Obviously, his lateral quickness. He's just. He's just amazing, honestly. So, yeah, he's number one in my book. It's funny the guy the guy I was going to mention is his running mate Jalen Waddle, and yeah. and because <laughs> um, you know Waddle was the second highest player I've graded at wide receiver in some time. Um, the highest player was in the same class, and that was Jamar Chase. Um, but Waddle last year had to play kind of what I call the Jamar the Jarvis Landry role in Miami. Um, really being kind of the short-range player, played a lot out of the slot in that offense. They used him in a very conservative underneath high-volume role, and he functioned very well in that role. And we always knew that he was an excellent contested catch player who had blazing speed in his own right. And it's a good contrast with Tyreek Hill because Jalen Waddell is one of the fastest receivers in the league if you don't count Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, when you watch him, run a route up the seam like last week against Detroit. There's a there's a moment you watch that and you go, the the these defensive backs have to be scared shitless the minute they see that speed show up mm-hmm. in real life. Because it's it's almost like it's a panic level of acceleration that he has. Um whereas Waddle is just just below that level. It's like we know this dude's fast and we have to respect it. And we're going to have to, and we have to work hard against it to make sure that we have the right coverage for it. But there isn't a right coverage for Tyreek Yeah, there Hill. is none. Yeah, there is none. There's no, it's the, the best coverage is the quarterback under throwing him. That's basically, and that's what happened yeah. twice in that game is that, you know, the, and it's not like Patrick Mahomes didn't under throw him either. I mean, there, Mahomes under threw him lots of times. And Mahomes has an unbelievable arm. So, um, exactly. Yeah. But with Waddle, the, the thing that I love about Waddle is that he's averaging 17.3 yards per catch, which is one of the best, is really the best figure of any of the receivers with top 10 level yardage production or touchdown production in the league. But at the same time, he's catching a ton of short targets. Um, he's the go to guy in those short yardage situations because he's so reliable as a route runner. Um, he, he's very good at being able to get out, in and out of timing routes. He has excellent technique in terms of catching the football. And then on top of that, if you give him a sliver, he's so good in the open field that, you know, you would say that, you know, if there was a player that I would compare to Tyree Kill and feel like, that I'm 90% justified in being able to make that, it would have been Jalen Waddle. And you can see that, and in a way, he is kind of like 90, 95% Tyree Kill because that difference in percentage is massive when you look at it. But there aren't, but I think there isn't another player who's even at 90% other than Jalen Waddle, which is just amazing that they have these two. And it's so great that Mike McDaniels was like, are you kidding? We have a chance to get Tyreek Hill. Let's make it happen. Like, let's yeah, exactly. do this. We, <laughs> instead of being the coach that goes, well, we already have Jalen Waddle. We don't really it's redundant. Need to. Yeah, it's redundant. No, the, you know, they work off each other so well. There were multiple times in this game where Waddle – Waddle learned a touchdown off of the safety jumping uh, to get over the top of Hill, um, which left Waddle on a linebacker um, that went for a touchdown. And then you saw some plays last week too, where the the defense over you know played um, more immediately on Waddle, which opened things up for Hill. So they're mutually benefiting each other, even though individually they don't really need each other to be productive receivers. Um, exactly. They just they need each other to both be top five receivers. Um, in the same way that Hill had Kelsey, you know, and Waddle, you know, Waddle didn't have anybody last year, but now, you know, they're kind of each other's Travis Kelsey in this respect. And it's, it's fantastic to watch. So, you know, what about, what about a player who's emerging? Emerging. Um, I, 
so I had a, I had a couple guys um, here. You know, I think uh, Ayuk from the 49ers is one of the one of the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, I also I also really like you know Gabe Davis. Uh, and, you know, we talked about him, I think, like two episodes ago. Uh, he's number one uh, yards per receptions. And his his targets have yards per target has actually gone up uh, a lot, obviously, because of his production. Um, but there's also a guy like Nico Collins. Uh, he's he's emerging to be one of the top uh, targets uh, for his offense, too. Um I just I don't know it's it's tough I think between those guys Gabe Davis and Nico Collins uh, right now Nico I think he's dealing with a little bit of an injury um, so any fantasy owners out there you know definitely watch out for that um, but just in terms of uh, you know a guy that's that's up and coming I think Nico is is one of those guys and I think you mentioned him uh, before on this podcast too I have I'm a big I'm a I'm a fan of what I've seen of Collins too and I think if they can solidify the team around him that yeah. that you're gonna see some good work out of him o- overall um I do it's interesting about there's a couple of Michigan receivers that just really have a chance to outplay their um, college career he and Donovan Peoples Jones are two guys that have you can see the physical abilities there it's just whether they can be reliable in and out um week in and week out i think collins has a better chance of being that guy even though maybe um even though donovan peoples jones has played pretty well this year too um and we'll see how he does with deshaun watson when deshaun watson returns to the browns um you, you know yeah that's on the whole other he's story. still even playing yeah yeah that's you know that's to me i, I always look at that as like you know, at this point, covering with of covering the NFL, I look at it and say, regardless of what my opinion is about a player, um, I wish that you know this is these are always good opportunities for us to point to the justice system and say, what do you expect the NFL to do as a business? Because businesses don't businesses try to play the margins of everything. You know, if we want things to change, we've got to look at our justice system. We've got to look at politics. We got to. We got to figure out ways to to institute things where um, where we're not leaning on um, private private sector entities to be um, the judge, jury, and um, you know, and justice me- you know meter of justice to um, to make things happen the way we want to, you know. Because I look at it and like you know, I've I've worked with people who've who were, you know, had positions that were maybe to in to protect or enforce certain policies, who were, you know, um, offenders of policies in the outside world with DUIs or with domestic issues or things that happened that they couldn't get fired because they'd get sued for firing someone who hadn't gone to trial or hadn't had. Um, you know, there were certain things that were in place, but, you know, they had the right to keep their job as much as you may be personally, um, you know, have personal feelings in that they, that you don't want to be around someone in those situations, or you'd like to see them, you know, have to pay some restitution for what they've done. So, you know, it's, it sucks. It's complicated in that respect, but, uh, but I'll say, you know, a guy who, you know, who recently came from an Ohio city and has emerged is Chris Olave. I mean, Chris Olave is just, I mean, that, that was my number one receiver this year coming out. Um, I don't think he's done anything to alter my perception of that. Um, fantastic route runner, fantastic ball tracker really understands when to attack the ball and when to wait for the ball to the next window, depending on where the coverage is. Um, I think he can, when you watch his releases, he has that craft with his releases where there's a lot of guys who are young who you can say, give me a one-step stretch or a hesitation or give me a two-step or a two-quick release or, you know, some, or, or combine these releases. And they'll do it, but there's no craft to it. They don't have that balance between patience and suddenness like Devontae Adams has to really, like, kind of, 
mess with the pacing so that it seems like he's a he's going slow in one direction and then just explodes out of the move. And yeah. Chris Olave has that craft to his game already. And you can see that even without Michael Thomas, he's winning on slants that are often difficult for young receivers to win on. Um, they'll try to use slants a lot with young big players um, because they go, well, we'll use their size to do it. And they'll see invariably that they have trouble getting separation against even mediocre corners in the league who can play the slant well. Um, it's just a simpler route in terms of structure, but in terms of craft, it's one of the more difficult routes to actually consistently be good at. And Olave's consistently good at running the slant, in addition to the fact that he can, you know, make the contested play. He can win deep for you. They they needed him as the deep route player. They used him as a deep route player early. Now they need him as their primary guy and he's just coming through. So um he's to me, he's already emerged from what I've seen on tape. Maybe not in the stat sheet, even though he's the he he's certainly yeah. up there. That's why I I had him I had him as promising, even though like I guess that's obvious that he's promising. Uh, <laughs> but I, I got another guy for promising. Sure, okay, let's hear it. <laughs> um, Alec Pierce. Oh um, yeah, great. Yeah, great, so great I, I did have a lave, you know, but um, I I don't know. I just think uh, I think Alec Pierce is going to be that 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 wide receiver of the future. His size matched obviously with his speed is just it's hard to stop and he's doing so well against man-to-man um you know he's communicating well uh well you know it was you know with matt ryan but uh we're not really sure what's going on uh, with the Colts right now they just fired their offensive coordinator who wasn't like really the problem um but uh but yeah so anyway um yeah alec pierce he's doing really well when when uh when he has to run option routes in terms of jump balls, in terms of knowing his leverage, uh, running outside, uh, you know, fade routes over the or back shoulder, um, you know, outside the numbers as well. He's just the guy who I think is going to be one of those just steals in the draft. And and they're going to say, damn, Alec Pierce was there and we didn't take him. It's going to be one of the, one of the one of the people that you know franchises say, oh well, they took blah blah blah, and Alec Pierce was there. I just think he's gonna be he's gonna be the truth, man. Yeah, and he's I, already showing it. I love the I love the Alec Pierce call. I mean, certainly, um, you know, everything you mentioned there is a fantastic, um, you know, are fantastic points about his game. He caught a he he caught a deep post from Ellinger, and let's talk a little bit about Ellinger because I mean, I'll say this. Um, I get why they moved to Ellinger, um, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it seems like an unknown. He's not. He's obviously not a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, but I thought he would be a better fit for what's going on personnel-wise for this team, only from the standpoint of this. They can't protect the quarterback. They need someone who can move in the pocket, and, mm-hmm. and certainly Ellinger has been a sturdy player who can break tackles, he can move, and we saw this weekend – he had multiple plays where he was able to anti- um, to identify, anticipate, and work away from blindside edge pressure cleanly and be able to get the ball out accurately. So that's something that Ryan's had difficulty with um, this year. And when pressure came up quick, he wasn't able to handle it. I think that Ellinger can do a little bit of a better job with that. He's always been good with his pocket presence and pocket management. Um, and his deep ball was an area that watching him at Texas, he gradually improved with it. He used to be awful as a vertical thrower, but over the final, <laughs> during the three years that I saw him as a starter on tape, he got better every year to the point that his vertical game was actually pretty darn good. If not for the fact that there wasn't a receiver who could catch a cold, much less catch a football beyond 20, 30 yards with their back to the quarterback. Um, I mean, the number of drops I saw on tape for for Ellinger in his final year was kind of stunning. It was kind of like watching Lamar Jackson have passes dropped during his senior year at Louisville. And Ellinger's, a, Ellinger's an interesting player because what you get out of that offense, and, I'm, and this is going to lead me to my player who's also on the Colts, I think, who is emerging, 
is that with Ellinger, the fact that he can run, you can implement more option-oriented plays that you see mm -hmm. with Jalen Hurts, that you see with, well, you could see with um, Trevor. You could also see it with, um, you know, with Lamar Jackson, but where you have a, you have more motion and movement pre and early post snap where you can create more binds and make the defense play all 11 offensive players. Um, and with Ryan, you couldn't do that, but you saw it in this game where they had more motions where there were, you know, Ellinger was having, you know, mesh exchanges with either the receiver working across um, behind, behind him at the formation point as the, um, Running back is working towards the line, and you force the defense to to consider the receiver or the or the running back as the ball carrier, as well as the quarterback. And they did that in the red zone. They had some success with my player, Paris Campbell, who they who you know basically as a runner, he had a couple of big plays working around the formation. I think he's become um, he's doing a pretty good job of working the middle of the field. He drew a um, he drew a pass interference um, on Sunday on a deep route up the right sideline for that would have resulted in a forty five yard touchdown if if the defender didn't smartly grab his arm and pull him back from being able to make the make the catch and Ellinger again was accurate on that throw I mean um, even on that play um, Campbell had one hand on the ball or was able to get one hand on the ball late even as he was getting pulled back. So I like what they, I, I see what they want to do with Campbell. I like where that's heading. I don't think he's a complete receiver, but I think that we're going to see more out of his game. And while I'm surprised, like you said, I'm surprised by them firing Brady um, in that situation. Um, and I wonder who they're, do you know if they mentioned a replacement for him at this point? Uh, no, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I don't at all. So then I don't. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's interesting um, what they're gonna how they're gonna go with that because to, to me it's no seems... that sorry that was interesting and sorry but um I I think that like there must have been something that happened where he must have not agreed with Ellinger coming in. Yeah. Uh, there must have been some sort of uh, you know I don't want to say like confrontation um, but there must have been something that happened. Where, you know, Brady was like, he's not going to do well. He's not going to do well. Then he actually didn't do too bad. And they're like, well, well, you're out. Yeah. Something like that must have happened, right? That that might, something of that, those lines. I mean, obviously, no, Ellinger was a more of a move that Rob, that Ursay wanted, that Jim Ursay wanted the, um, you know, probably wanted, wanted that move. That was what they've kind of talked about is that that was, that was, probably the the influence there um but at the same time when that happens you I, you know i looked at that and thought well how can you work with it and exactly what they've done is what is is really kind of my was my consideration with it is that you 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 leverage the run game more you make the defense mm -hmm. play more option football you do things where you can leverage Naeem Hines as a perimeter runner Paris Campbell as a perimeter runner you 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 take one less player um away from the focus on Jonathan Taylor and now you have and also you have you do an offense where you have fewer option routes because Matt Ryan's great at option routes, but one of the things that that happened in that Titans game two weeks ago was that Ryan threw a pick six that was clearly an option route for Paris Campbell, and Campbell didn't run the right option route. He didn't read the defense on the same page, and oh, no. and that resulted in a pick six. I mean, he ran an out and up, and it was should have been a stop route because Bud Dupree was coming off the edge unblocked on the same side. He should have seen that. And just made the stop route, and he ran an out and up, and Ryan threw the stop route, and it was pulled a Rogers and a Romeo Dobbs. Exactly, you know, and so <laughs> you know that's to be expected. But you could see where with a guy like Ellinger, Ellinger, maybe you say, okay, Ellinger's not the um, Ellinger. We're not going to rely on him to do a ton of option routes here in this situation. We're going to do a little bit more scheming um, to to mm -hmm. get people open, and that falls into what Campbell does well right now. That falls into what our young receivers. We don't have to lean so much on our young receivers being on the same page with their quarterback. T 
to that extent. Um, and yeah. so I get it, but I have to think that Brady was like, yeah, forget this. I don't, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't agree with it, but we'll see, you know, we'll see where they go with that. So, um, Campbell isn't, you know, obviously the, the greatest up and comer there, but I kind of like, I still kind of like what I've seen there. If I were going to pick someone who I think could emerge and I, I'm begging for this team to actually do what they're doing with Campbell a little bit more. Um, and we've seen it a bit is Devin Duvernay. Um, yeah. I'm a Devin Duvernay fan. I think they can make him a Danny Woodhead type of player. He was a running back um, entering the University of Texas. He was, a, I believe, a four-star prospect at running back. He, um, They used him at running back at times, even his senior year. He's He reads leverage well between the tackles. He understands how to finish. He's not a powerful back. But he's someone that can be functional in that regard. And that's important because when they use him on the perimeter as a runner, he gets yardage. And that takes pressure off Lamar Jackson, needing him to run all the time. It also creates a constraint where you can use him as the potential perimeter runner as opposed to Lamar Jackson every time. Um, and when they've used it, it's been successful. But Greg Roman is kind of a stick in the mud when it comes to what he does. And when they've when they've felt desperate to to need to use Devernay in an expanded role, it's worked out well. And I'm mentioning all this in addition to the fact that he's a good player in the flats. He works over the middle and wins the ball. And we've seen what he can do in the vertical game early on um, this year. He does get open. He's got track speed. He tracks the ball well. He wins in the red zone. Um, he may never be a primary wide receiver for your team, but I think that there's an opportunity there for him to be a kind of a Swiss army knife in a more expanded way than they have used him and could give you that woodhead type of production where maybe he gives you two, three, four hundred yards rushing in addition to being a five to seven hundred yard receiver. And now you're getting a, a producer who who can be a real weapon for you in the red zone and draw attention away from the, the obvious guys like Andrews and and Jackson and you know Gus Edwards. And then on top of that, you you make your offense more multi multi-dimensional um, in the in both the running game and the passing game, and you're not as predictable as you are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think he, uh, I think he has the longest uh, kick return right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's a, uh, he's definitely a guy who, you know, you could see emerge a little bit later. Who's struggling that you think that that you think might have a chance to to get better? Uh, Chris Claypool. As long as soon as he gets traded, uh, because I feel like that's probably going to happen. What's the t today is the, the the day of the the it's deadline? The deadline. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's like what is it four o'clock or two o'clock? I I don't know. I don't know. Because uh, yeah, I think something's gonna happen with him. Uh, right now he's you know he's just not getting he's just, he's not producing, and it's because he's not basically a part of the offense as much as he should be. Uh, right now I think he's at like his lowest uh, yards per game. Uh, you know, out of the, the, the couple of years that he's been in the league. Uh, I think uh, I think he was averaging about like 50. Now it's like in the 30s. Uh, I think, But as soon as he gets traded, I think that he'll go to a team uh, that can properly use his skill set. Um, but yeah, he's right now he's probably the, the guy that's struggling. And as soon as he gets somewhere else, uh, he's going to emerge as... You know that I don't want to say like that number one guy, uh, but you know he can be that playmaker I can, on whatever team he's going to go to next. I can get with that because even though I've been critical of Claypool even after his first seven games, because as a rookie I would say, well, he's been found out. The league understands how to play him. They they understand how to that if they pay a little more attention to him, they play him tighter at the boundary. He he's not that number one guy that people were looking at, but he doesn't have to be the number one guy. Mm -hmm. He's good enough to be a complimentary force, you know, kind of a, a Kenny Galladay plus version of that. You know, I think he can be kind of Galladay like for your team, stretch the field for you, make plays after the catch. Um, maybe he's not the guy, you know, that the you want the primary defender on 
you know, covering him all day long and feeling like you can still throw to him. But I, I totally get that he has value for the league, and I, and I, and I like that idea. Um, you know, a player for me on on this list, and we'll wrap it up here after that. Is I mean, I'd like to say Hunter Renfro. I think he's a fantastic um, slot receiver, but I think mm-hmm. slot receivers are about to go the way of the dodo for a couple of years with all this too high and with the opportunities to run the football that you're going to see more more slot receivers on the bench, even if they're good, because they'd rather have a tight end, that, tight end or a bigger body in there to block, whether it's a fullback or tight end. So I'm kind of thinking... Hunter Renfro just basically started to emerge at the at the exact wrong time for the NFL. He's going to need to find a team that really can do well um, with three receiver sets um, and throw the ball at a high level and want to continue to do that for him to have that production. But I mean, a, a guy that that I guess uh, you know, if I were to look at this, you know, uh, of players that I think will probably play get a little bit better. As their, as opportunities go, you, you know it, it's tough for me because probably I'm I'm kind of between two players, Lori, and I think that's kind of the problem that I'm having here um, <laughs> that that I want to mention. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say Denzel Mims because. Mm-hmm. I think Denzel Mims was one of the best prospects in in his draft class. He looked good his first year, but they didn't like the fit in the system with the new coaching regime change. He lost 20 pounds due to food poisoning last summer um, that kind of put him behind the curve. And then he played lights out in the preseason and and in camp, but couldn't emerge because the guys with more draft capital from the coaching staff that that came in after you know after the staff that drafted him got fired they went with guys like Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson's obviously a good young player but and then they also have just a uh, you know not very good quarterbacking so Mims yeah. but Mims didn't let get down from that and when you're 25 years old and you're you think you're going to be the future and suddenly that's gone from you that's easy for you to not be a resilient individual and to, to pout or to like put it in the bag or lose your confidence. And Mims instead is like, trade me. They're like, no. And then they put yeah. him, they let him play and he balls, you know, when he gets in the, and you know, he had a 63 yard catch this past weekend with Corey Davis out. I think he's going to get a chance to replace Corey Davis in this offense. Um, and maybe be able to do it this year, get an, an extended audition this year to be able to make good on that. And I think he's kind of playing with a chip on his shoulder. Like, listen, I'm going to show you how good I can be. You're going to, I'm going to make you do it. And if, and, and if that doesn't happen. It'll be tough with Zach Wilson though. It will be tough with Zach Wilson. That's true. But I, I think that he's the type of player that if it's not here, it'll be somewhere else. You know, if he can continue maintaining the you know the attitude that he has in a couple years he'll be somewhere else and i think he'll be good somewhere else um he tracks the ball well he's he makes some good plays after the catch he's physical he's just not he to me he might be more in that claypool davis category but a little better as a route runner than both of them so i you know i'm i'm kind of interested in that so. Yeah, I think both of those guys might get traded. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm interested though in seeing what's going to happen with with these two New York teams. You know, Kadarius Tony just left. Uh, you know, he's with the Chiefs. I'm excited to see you know what they have in store with him. Um, and yeah, it's just I don't know. I like I like your pick in Mims though. So I know you were torn on on that, but uh, but yeah, no, I I think he's a he's a good pick. There are a ton of guys right now that are. Uh, that have just been traded and are kind of struggling in their new roles. Um, you know, um, A Rob is one of those guys. He's yeah. kind of a little he bit slow to kind of come on. Yeah. yeah, that's I was torn on him too. I wasn't sure if I was going to pick him. So, yeah, yeah. Right now, the NFL is is interesting, and I like that you actually mentioned the the too high uh, with the slot receivers um, because you know we were just talking about how 
tight ends and fullbacks are kind of making a comeback. Uh, and I never thought about who is that's going to eliminate. And that's going to eliminate slot receivers. Yeah. You know, because that matchup doesn't really work. Like, you know, with, with the with the safeties and, and everybody getting, like, smaller and faster, they're able to keep up with those slot receivers. So if you always want to be one step ahead, you're going to go with those tight ends. And as we mentioned right now, tight ends are more of the receiving type. So it's like, what's going to happen with slot receivers? That just, like, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to dive into that. Yeah, do because it's think about it. Think about it for the draft classes coming up because that you know you're gonna know which draft analysts. Well, I'm not gonna say it. I, I'll say it this way, but I don't. I, there's a chance that we'll see who's who might be thinking one step behind in the draft analyst world if they're touting slot receivers as early round draft picks this year, because it's very likely that if unless the league can come up with a solution to too high that involves slot receivers, um, you're not going to, they're not going to be valued as, as highly as what we've seen in the past. And some of these guys, I mean, like Hunter Renfro, what's he going to do? I mean, is he, you're going to send him, are you going to put him on the wing and block a linebacker? Or are you going to, you know, now at the other hand, David Bell, who is out of Purdue with Cleveland can block and is a very good blocker. And last night, you saw them put him on the wing and he was blocking Cincinnati linebackers. And he was, and that was one thing that he was always very good at. And I liked the fit with him in Cleveland for that reason. Um, and I'm interested to see how um, Deshaun Watson uses him because I think he can be exploited as an even bigger weapon um, down the line. He might be the exception. The big slot receiver might come back into vogue yeah. if they can block, but otherwise yeah, you're looking at, and and the big slot receiver could be valuable because now you're looking at sale routes against the in the honey hole of cover two, so mm -hmm. that becomes a more viable thing. The seam routes against the you know against the safeties, um, post routes where maybe they can still have enough speed to be able to threaten that middle of the field. Um, that's where maybe they hold up a little bit better. But yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating how this works out and and i'm uh you know you know Lori and i will be here for that as the season continues to roll on you know we appreciate you listening to the rsp cast you can find it at all the different outlets that you subscribe to so please subscribe um and you know you can find Lori's great work um at Lori fitzpatrick um, on twitter and it's spelled f-i-t-z-p-t-r C-K, Lori, L-A-U-R-E-I-E, L-A-U-R-I-E, F-I-T-Z-P-T-R-C-K. There we go. M-O-U-S-E. Let's see. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm, at Matt, I'm at Matt Waldman. You can find me at mattwaldmanrsp.com. You can, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel for film breakdowns, um, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room, or my TikTok where I also Ooh. do um, a good bit of work on um, on that at Matt Waldman RSP, and of course on Twitter, where Lori and I both do film breakdowns on Sundays. You can you can you know if you want a chance to just catch what's going on beyond just the highlight plays. Um, you're going to be able to find us on Sundays and and check out our timelines there. So you guys have a great week, and we'll see you again soon.